Talking about concepts, ideas, things that radically changed our world. I mean, like, frankly, the universe, if we're honest. But, you know, things like irrigation, that we turn our taps on, we go to the shower, we have clean water, it's warm usually, right? Where we can drink just water that is, is safe, all that kind of stuff. So um, flight, we think about how we can get to pretty much any nook and cranny of this planet because of automation. So you fly somewhere and if you have to take a little mini plane from there, helicopter, jeep, whatever that looks like. So automation has allowed us to get different places. Medical advancements, like think of the things that have saved countless lives because God has equipped people on this earth to you know, understand and, and just know the body and all the different research things that, that happen and amazing how our quality of life has changed. It's improved so much. And then the internet, you know, it's like the world is at our fingertips and I'm still not convinced that's a great idea, but it's got its benefits for sure, but it's got its trappings as well because it just means you flip your phone on and anything is available to you anytime and it's not always good. And we know that with all of these advancements and inventions and things, they can be used for good, they can be used for evil, right? For sure. There is one event though, I would argue, that radically changed the trajectory of history, um, and that would be the birth of Jesus. And, you know, you might say, well, you know, what about his death, resurrection? Absolutely. Those are paramount to the faith, vital for our salvation, for our life, right, for our eternity, for sure. But that doesn't happen without God first showing up in the flesh and Christ being born. And, and we're going to talk this morning about this massive topic and this week spending time, you know, digging into what this actually means for us because it is vital for us to understand and know, you know, why it's important that God showed up in that way and what it means for us even practically in our lives, not just theory. So we introduced the five eyes last week, and this week we're digging a little deeper into the incarnation, you know, the birth of Christ, God showing up in the flesh. And to start off, there's a, a legendary talk show host, Larry King, and he was a guy, uh, he's not with us anymore, but he was one of these guys that... Um, I loved watching him because he would ask a question and the person didn't want to answer it in the interview. And he had this way of just kind of coming around with different questions to get the answer he was looking for. He was a very gifted interviewer. And he was asked once, you know, if you could interview anyone, who would you interview? And he said, I would interview Jesus Christ. And he said, I would ask him one question. Were you really born of a virgin? Because whatever the answer is, it changes or reinforces the world. And to my knowledge, he was not a Christian. But he recognized that, you know, if that is actually true, that changes things and it reinforces a lot of things for us as well. So what exactly does it mean? So this idea of incarnation, it literally means in flesh, in the flesh, or, or taking on flesh. And that's this idea that God showed up and clothed himself in humanity. It's like we put our clothes on in the morning, unless you live in weird communes, but we put our, our clothes on in the morning and, and God, you know, clothed himself in flesh, right? It's kind of, it's, it's incredible. And it's a Monday morning and this is huge stuff. And I mentioned last week that it's problematic for a lot of people because it's this idea that we worship one God, monotheism, mono one, theos, God, one, one God. And so for this idea of a, a father, son, spirit, well, isn't that three gods? And, and aren't we now worshiping three gods, right? And, and it's troublesome for a lot of people, but we recognize that we worship one God in three distinct persons with distinct roles, yet as one. 
And I can't fully explain that to you on how it works or the inner workings of that inner relationship and fellowship of our triune God, but we recognize a few things from it. Last week, the idea that Jesus came or God came in the flesh is because John 1.18 says that no one has seen God, but God, the one and only who sits at the Father's side, has made him known. So it's this idea and truth that because we couldn't actually grasp God in his holiness and his magnificence, we couldn't get our heads around who he is. He clothes himself in flesh and shows up in a way that we get to go, all right, now, now I see, God, what you're, what you're up to. Now I get a sense of your character. Hebrews 1.3 says this, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And the writer of Hebrews, what, what he was saying was this, is that the sun like, is the radiance, the exact representation of God. So if you want to understand the heart of God and the character of God, you're going to look at the life of Christ. And so it would be an incredible challenge, and it is an incredible challenge for us to consider God because he's infinite and we are finite. And to be able to grasp and understand who he is would just be impossible for us, and yet Jesus makes him known in a way that we actually can understand and grasp. So, um, here's the crazy thing. Many believe that this Messiah, this promised one that was going to come, was going to come as this you know, conqueror, this militant individual that was going to set things right politically and in a military, with a military mindset. And the crazy thing is, is that God showed up in the flesh, in the form of a baby, humbled you know, and, and dependent upon earthly, broken, fallen parents, which is just so crazy. And, and he shows up as a first century Jew. Like that's really how God shows up in the person of Christ in the incarnation when he took on flesh. And I want us to understand it doesn't mean that Jesus you know, stopped being God. He was God in the flesh. It wasn't like, okay, now I'm human and now my divine nature is gone. The crazy thing with Jesus is he was fully God yet fully man. Fully God, yet fully man. We'll dig into a little more of that this week, I'm sure. But we could spend like hours and weeks and months and our lives trying to press into that particular topic, this idea of how did Jesus exist, how did God exist or, like, or present himself in the person of Christ, fully God, yet fully human. Because we can't grasp that. Like, we can't fully understand what exactly that looks like. But can we agree on this, that if God is God, by very definition, he's not bound by the physical laws of the universe that we would hold to or or are held by. He supersedes, he goes beyond, he's supernatural. And so those types of things are obviously, you know, very, very easy for him to do and to accomplish. So his birth changed everything. And I want us just to kind of focus in on a few things this morning that maybe will help us get practical in this idea of what it actually means. So I'm going to whip through a bunch of stuff. I, I apologize. I'm trying to get through a few things here. But the first one is this. The physical presence of Jesus changed everything. His presence changed everything, particularly for the world at the time and certainly for generations and history afterwards and even for us today. You know, you think about how we went through the, the pandemic and whether it's still going on or not. I'm not going to get into that. But the reality around the isolation piece, we all experienced a bit of that. We all went through some times where we had to pull back and we weren't able to 100% hang out with whoever we wanted, whenever we wanted, and we know the struggle of that. 
And it was tough for us. Some loved it. I get it. There are a few out there. They're like, yeah, leave me alone. Let me do my thing and I'm good. But for most, it would be pretty tough to do life on our own. And that's because we were made for a relationship. And if you for a moment imagine if life was 100% virtual. So imagine no human contact in your life for a second. I, it's pretty tough to imagine. I get it. But you know, you go away on a long trip. You return home and you get a hug from your family. Well, imagine you go away on a long trip, you come home. I don't know how you get there because nobody's flying the plane or whatever, but, but you come home and instead of a big hug, it's like somebody's holding you know, a, a tablet with, with your parents and they give you like a virtual hug, right? It just would be so weird. We couldn't pull it off as humanity if it was 100% virtual. And it's the same thing for believers, for Christians, for humans. We can't do life understanding what life actually should look like without having a present picture, without actually being able to see it. So the physical presence of Jesus changed everything, and I fully grasp that he's not here physically now. I understand that. We don't get the privilege of first century Jews, first century church, to be able to kind of see, you know, this life lived before them. This is how we actually do things. But we understand that we do have God's spirit within us, guiding and teaching, for sure, and the scriptures to give us insight into how Jesus lived. But here's some really cool things that we need to remember that affect us, okay? Here's the first one. So by Jesus coming physically, he showed humanity what it looked like to be fully dependent upon our Heavenly Father. That's one of the things he modeled. That's one of the things that God was showing us. In Philippians 2, we read this. Having the same, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, uh, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it's amazing that you know, Jesus demonstrated for us the humility and the wisdom to kind of get out of ourselves and trust our Father. So he, he modeled that, this idea of being a servant and being dependent upon God, our Father. Another piece is that he was born... Uh, without sin. So, you know, we, we all know what happens, right, when, when a baby is conceived and, and born. We're not going to get into the miracle of life. I thought about showing the video this morning, but decided not to, just because it's Monday, like if it was any other day. Absolutely. If you don't know what that is, um, you'll find out one day. But anyways, so Jesus was born of a virgin, ensuring that he was sinless. So he was sinless. There's no other person in history that can make that claim. And again, you gotta get your head outside of the physical realm of how things work and understand the supernatural power where God was working. So the idea was that the Holy Spirit conceiving Christ in Mary meant that it was not of Adam's line, not into a sinful line. He was without sin. He was perfect, he was holy, and he had to be because he was going to pay for our sin. And the reason God showed up in the flesh, he was fully human because in order to be a sacrifice for us, he had to be fully human. Because we know that in the Old Testament system of, you know, bulls and goats that were being sacrificed and blood being shed to cover sin, which which was, wow, trying to get your head around that one, we know that that never actually completed, you know, this, this covering of the sin. It was sort of a temporary thing. And yet Jesus showed up, and because he was without sin, he is our sacrifice. And then this one here, um, and this should really give us hope, is he was without sin and was tempted in all ways, like way beyond what we understand. And so when we're tempted, he knows what we go through. 
You know, he was without sin, but, but for us, it helps me immensely to say, Jesus, I am struggling here. I am being tempted. I'm, I'm, man, I'm being challenged, and I, I just need to lean into you because I know in your power there is an ability to say no, right? So, so he knows what we go through. So his presence changes everything. So what does it mean practically? Well, he demonstrates how to live, right? He shows us how we actually should live. He shows us how to handle situations rooted you know, out of the character of God rather than just doing things in our flesh or in a selfish way, which we're prone to do. But we've been given this gift of the Gospels, which particularly tell us the story about how we lived and how we can handle people and how we care for others. And I don't know if you're a Christian. I don't know what you believe about Jesus, but you would have to agree that his life is worth following. You know, if, if you're going to pick anyone in history to say, hey, I'm going to follow that person's life because the way they live, they live such a great life and, and they treat people with respect and dignity and, and they're, they're hopeful, right? You would follow him. For sure you would. But he's not just a good teacher, and he's not just a, a moral person. He's the son of God, God in the flesh, and so he's demonstrated how to live. And then this is where it kind of really meets for us. We're called to live incarnationally. So as God showed up in the flesh, in the person of Christ, to demonstrate to humanity how we ought to live and how a relationship with God can be restored, that's the calling that's been placed upon us. And that's a high calling. So go back to uh, Philippians 2. At the very beginning of that passage, there's this little phrase, and it says, uh, have, um, sorry, we got to go forward maybe? Yep. Nope. Did I? Okay, I missed it. So I think it says there that um, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ. So it's the, the idea that, you know, we're to have the same mindset as Jesus in the way that he humbled himself, that he made himself a servant, you know, obviously caring for others, serving others, and that's what we're called to, incarnational living. There it is. So in your relationships with, with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ. It matters, and we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we don't get it right all the time, that's for sure. Um, back when I was a youth pastor, there was a student... Uh, actually, let me take a step back. So the custodians at our church had found um, some notes that were left in a, a little pew thing on the back of the pews. I know we have chairs now, but you know those bench, really uncomfortable bench things. And so uh, they found these notes, and they passed them on to me because apparently they were written by a student in our youth ministry who had written some pretty harsh stuff. Like, it was pretty dark. And so um, right away when I read it, I, I figured out, yeah, I think I know who wrote this. And so I reached out to the student, and we got together for, you know, milkshake at McDonald's, I think it was. And, and you know, I sat down, and I said, hey, man, can I talk to you about something? And, and they said, yep. And I said, put the notes on the table. And I just said, are, are you talking about me when, when you wrote this? Because it was really dark. Like, it was stuff about Christians and, and just, you know, all kinds of dark language. And, and so I, I asked, is this... Like, is this about me? Are you including me in this? And I said, no, John, I'm not writing about you. And, and began to unpack their, their story. And it was a story of hurt and a story of struggle, um, really difficult home life in terms of the church's response to the whole thing was pretty rough. And so we began to talk through this. And this student had seen so much. In fact, um, yeah, just had seen things in the home that you know, nobody should see. And we walked through that, and we journeyed through that, and made it crystal clear I uh, didn't believe in God, because God was nowhere to be found when my mom was going through what she was going through. God was nowhere. And so that was the, the place he landed. 
And so over, you know, months we kept connecting and, and you know, he was tough to, to deal with sometimes on youth nights because there was just this anger and lots of emotional things going on. And so years later, as uh, graduated, went into university, finished university, was getting married. So my wife and I were, outside of his mom, the only two Christians that got invited to his wedding. And his wedding was a statement, like, against the existence of God. Like, I think, you know how you plan a wedding, and it's supposed to be kind of fun, and, you know, like, you plan flowers and songs and all that. Like, like their wedding was planned, <laughs> we do not want God to be mentioned in our wedding, like at all. So no hymns, no message. The minister that actually officiated in a, in a banquet hall wouldn't even have it in the church, but ministered, um, I think said, look, I'm praying in this wedding ceremony or I'm not doing it, basically. And so they agreed, you know, that whole thing. So we go to this wedding and yeah, it was, it was completely void <laughs> of, of any mention of God other than this minister praying. But what was crazy about it is that my wife and I were the only two Christians that were invited to this thing. And, and I truly believe that it's because over a series of months and even years, just consistently saying, hey, I know you're in a dark place. We, if you're willing, I'll walk, you, I'll walk with you through this. And I wasn't afraid of the fact that he didn't believe in God. I wasn't afraid that he, you know, he threw out arguments and things that you know, were tough to answer sometimes, right? And so he kept consistently walking and walking and walking. And and then I'm also wondering, too, if I was invited, you know, just to kind of like say, you know, see, John, I'm just sticking it to you a little bit. I just want you to come and witness a ceremony that is completely devoid of any mention of God. And, and so, you know, after that, you know, we, we stayed in touch a little bit, and it was always this, hey, you know, we could have conversations, we could still journey. I'm not sure where they are today. I, you know, we've lost touch. We haven't connected, you know, in a while. But I think back to that, and I think about how, you know, just the ability to live, you know, as the hands and feet of Jesus, loving people, meeting them where they are, not being afraid of the tougher stories, not being afraid of the perspectives that, that aren't the same as yours. That's what incarnational living begins to look like. Like Jesus stepped into a world that was radically different than what his father had intended for humanity. And he wasn't afraid of it, thank God. You know, he stepped in and he lived in a way that taught us what it means to live. And not only, you know, for us to understand, but as believers, helping others understand, and that's our calling. Helping others get it, helping others realize who he is and how much he loves us. You know, the SLC was listening to a podcast uh, last week, a week ago, and it ta- the speaker talked about how, you know, in between different eras, right, you move from this era to this era, and it's sort of clean cut. But lately it's been more about we hang on to the era before us, we're not quite sure where we're going, and we're not really sure where we are. And he talked about this gray zone. And it kind of excites me a little bit because I think that we as Christians get to be markers within the gray zone. Like if people are walking around going, I'm not really sure where I am and I don't know where we're going, we get to speak into that and say, well, let me share a little bit of the hope that I have and let me talk to you about this person, Jesus, who, who actually spoke to every generation and, and you know, just so clear on how to have a life and a life that's full. And I hope that we get to see that passion or that mission to step into that and be that example. So here's a few questions. There's a lot of them up here. Maybe one of them will grab you. I don't know. You know, if you get them all, great. Who needs to, ex- who needs to experience the incarnation of Jesus through your life? Where does the mindset of Christ need to show up in your relationships? Where do you need to serve? Where will your obedience draw others to Jesus because your life looks so different? Where will your patience and kindness affect those who are angry? 
Where will peace speak to those who are anxious? Where will your enemy be humbled because you choose to respond with love and compassion rather than revenge and payback? Where will your hope point the hopeless to Jesus? Where does Jesus in the flesh need to be rooted deeper in your life? Uh, all of the above for me. <laughs> you know, I struggle with, with so much of that. So I don't list those as though I've got it figured out. But let's press into community together and live in a way that people are, you know, recognizing there's something different here. There's something different about you. And we get to tell them about the hope of glory within us, the person of Jesus that we follow, that we worship. And if you don't know him, as always, please, let's talk. Let's have a conversation about who he is, for sure. So I'd love to pray, and then we're going to announce a few things and head out. God, thank you for who you are and for showing up in the flesh, for walking amongst us that we could see how to live life and, and live it to the full. And thank you that you're walking with us every day, uh, present in our lives, even when we don't see it. Uh, and it doesn't mean our lives are exactly perfect or the way we want things to go, but thanks for being with us. Um, God, bless us today as we head into our classes. Make us mindful of the people around us that we could reach out to and demonstrate love to. May we be consistent in the way that we, we live out our lives, our faith, uh, for your glory, Lord. Uh, may we go with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Incarnation All Week, and uh, today senior girls are meeting for Driven in the Hub, SLC, sorry, SLC, and uh, celebrate you. Make sure we had a huge group Friday. If you have not signed up, please do that. And God bless. Have a great day.